and welcome to Say That, podcast with your big questions and get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Join me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. That's correct, yes. So joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I am here. Wow. Joining us over the Skypes, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I'm there. I mean, for me, I'm here, but for them, I'm there. And that's that's, that's an right. odd yeah. thing, but it's it's factual. You're always there for us. Yeah, yeah. It's deep, That's, man. That is deep. It's deep. It's really Look, deep. I'm jumping right to it. Whoa. We have an international statecraft emergency. It's, emergency. It's, is it the kind of emergency that makes me go, ah? Yes, it's just like that. Uh, that hi. exact kind of emergency. Yeah. All right. Now, he hasn't said anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He hasn't in any way communicated, but I just feel Matt's vibrations. Whoa. He's hurting. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll move further away. He's hurting for his people. Okay. okay. They had a quest for independence. Right. And they were cruelly struck down right. by the hand of an empire and are not free. And I know it's killing Matt. And we just need to get we, in there. Are we, we, talk, talk are we talking about, about the Tennessee Alabama game? <laughs> Matt. Has that happened yet? Is Matt. this a Narnia thing? <laughs> no. Okay. No. That's closer to things Jed would understand, though, than my college football yeah, reference. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's like this. There's there's an island you guys probably haven't heard of it okay, okay? and it's called Scotland right Scotland's okay. not an island um, and <laughs> I think it's somewhere near the Middle East right um, and um, but there are people that want to be free Depending on scale I, I saw this documentary oh, 45% one time. of people anyway right what's up 45 percent yeah. of people anyway. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I'm not a math guy, but I saw this documentary one time. This <laughs> so is a man with a degree in electrical engineering. <laughs> and like people kept screaming freedom. Right, right. Like they were super into it. Is that it. the one where is they were in the, the skirts? Yeah, there were a lot of skirts. And we're, you know what? If that's your you thing, what? that's cool. I don't know. Why don't judge. you watch yourself, Younger? <laughs> there it comes. We got we're, it, dude. We got him. Yeah. We got get fired yeah. Up. out of his shell. Yes. Matt, this is a safe place to talk that's about right. the, the plight of your people. Yeah, we can tell you're enraged. <laughs> sure. Lee is and judging the se- the sexuality of my people by their national costume, and I don't care for it. Let Look it at out, my skirt and my long socks. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just I just feel like this is the, I'm concerned, guys. Here yeah. here's my concern is I feel like Matt's people wanted to be free, and that that documentary right. proves it. Okay, right. are you talking about the one where the Battle of Sterling Bridge took place in the middle of a field? <laughs> I don't really know what yes. any of those words mean, <laughs> right? But it, it had the dude from like Forty Eight Hours or Lethal Weapon or whatever it was. Okay, pretty and sure Mel Gibson Sweet. was not in Forty Eight Hours. Max. He was in one of those movies. I that look be a, a Sir Nick Nolte. Look, I'm not a details guy. I go from the gut. OBE. I go from the gut. I'm pointing. I'm pointing up here, but I go from the gut. You yes. are actually pointing at not your gut. Pointing that's, to your chest. That's more of a chest. Uh, I don't. Pointing at the chest and facing away from the camera as he says, I go from my gut. <laughs> I go from the thorax, okay? That's right. the kind of person I am. <laughs> right. I got a lot of heart about things, okay? Right. But this Could have said heart instead of thorax, but you went with thorax, <laughs> which is exactly the kind of person you are. <laughs> <laughs> I got him. Scotland is tearing us apart. Scotland is ruining this podcast. Alex Selman is tearing this family apart. But I'm just concerned because I feel like... That was a deep joke for those of you who've been following this. Well played. Matt's people are not free. The icy grip of oppression is still on them. And I feel like Matt's going to try and start a liberation front right here in this room. Whoa. It's like a Scottish independent sleeper cell. Yeah. And Matt's the only member. Okay. You're talking about terrorism. That's what I'm talking about. Whoa. 
I'm not sure we can say that without getting flagged on iTunes. <laughs> We've been flagged before. That's very That's true. Let's yeah. um, let's start unpeeling this onion of wrongness. <laughs> Nobody's being oppressed. There was a vote for Scotland to uh, declare independence from Great Britain. There was a peaceful and very high turnout vote. It's not what I heard. came up for no. So that's actually the opposite of oppression would be voting for the thing and getting what you want. Oh, okay. Matt is. I don't understand any of that. I am of, I am of Scottish heritage. Kind of, I'm 50% my whole mom's family, but I don't live there. So this doesn't actually have any effect on my life. I mean, I hope to visit at some point, but it really, it's, it's, the pl- the flight the flight to Edinburgh is the flight to Edinburgh. I don't really matter what country it's in. Right, right. Okay, here's my question. Tell me, will Matt, as our uh, oppressor, right. yes, because well, that like, is true. That's the I mean, first sensible the, thing you've said today. He's the oppressor of the podcast. Yeah, will he now it? demand out of retribution yeah. that our opening credits will be the proclaimers <laughs> from now sure. on? I mean. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's good. I mean, you know, he could walk 500 miles. He totally, he could know. walk 500 more. That's this is what I'm trying to say. That's going to be the podcast now. But can't you just just look at when him? you haver? I hope you haver to this his, podcast. Look at his eyes. Look at him. The just rage. the urge to conquest. Matt, true or false? Yeah. True or false? David David Cameron is the enemy of all your happiness. I mean, that's true, but that's been true long before this vote. <laughs> <laughs> Just look at it with his wee beady eyes. Wait, what happened? Right, what? right. That's it. Back. True or there false? True or false? You were going to dye your beard blue this weekend in, uh, uh, just in support of Scottish independence. Well, I was going to dye it blue, but I do that to greet the fall every year. <laughs> well, and let's talk about uh, a, a Scottish dude took over Doctor Who. That's accurate. That's true. So that's but making them two of two in the uh, the new who era as they call it. Well, so I think that's uh, that means something. It totally <laughs> does. I don't know what. Me but it neither. Means something and it's dire. It should be feared. Here's what it means. If you're on Twitter, would you tweet Glenn and tell him you think he's cool because he made a Doctor Who reference? Yes, please. That's yes. what we're going for okay. here. Please more do more questions, Matt. True or false? And I'm questions. serious about this one. Do you or do you not own and use an actual family-established tartan-specific kilt? I'm wow. not sure what you mean by use a kilt. I have worn it. I do own a kilt that is the clan that is my mother's maiden name. Okay. Matt's okay, part of a clan. Ramsey for, those, Ramsey, for those of you keeping track at home, I don't think I'm related to the yelling restaurant guy, but I can hope. Fellas, fellas, it's clear. It's raw. <laughs> the evidence is in. Matt King will stop at nothing to achieve a free and independent podcast <laughs> where he is monarch for life. Sure. <laughs> Which are you, are you is... saying that in, in retribution for the, the vote not going the way of Scottish Minutes, I'm going to deny you podcast devolution? That's exactly right. what I'm saying. You should not have exactly your own podcast happening. parliaments? Yeah. That's right. We're, look, let's... Look, Go ahead. Let's just look at the evidence. Who picks the questions? Wow. Who picks the That's questions? a really good point. You know who now. picks the questions? Kilt Master General <laughs> to my left. That's who. I danced under that it. name for a short time. Do, do, do I pick the questions because I am trying to hold you all down or because there would be no podcast questions if I didn't the, pick the Look, questions? we're not talking about details and technicalities, man. You can't deflect. This was a, that was yeah. a true. This was, this was, these are real things that you need to answer for. Okay, and we also we also missed something here. Hit me. 
Also, I picked the question, so when you people are thinking about who you need to send more cookies to, if you want your question on the air. <laughs> oh, that's so- See, the graft has wow. already begun. That's, wow. The corruption goes all the way to the top. That was divisive. But yeah. we, we missed, there- a, we missed a, 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 a bullet point earlier. Hit we got to circle back okay. to it. On the, on the podcast, Matt just admitted that he briefly, quote, danced under the name Kiltmaster General. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. And this is in reference to our frequent conversation that we have here uh, in the ministry. What we like to do is we like to keep our minds limber. Totally. Exactly. You know what right. I mean? Thought experiments, running so, scenarios. Running scenarios. So we. So I propose. Brainstorming, freeform thinking, just blue fr- sky thinking. Think outside the box. You're a male stripper. What's your name? Go. Yes. Yes. So for, for Matt, that's Kiltmaster General. For for Jed, immediately, uh, uh, the the name that presented itself was Peaches. Yeah, it sure. fits. It fits. Uh, he's from Georgia. Yeah. And um, I think in my mind, uh, Peaches- uh, I think the, we can stop explaining. Peaches, the male stripper, would be sort of the shy, you know what I mean? And sort of like- I think we can really him. stop explaining. <laughs> and the first, after his it. first night of stripping- Too much backstory. He's, he's, he's in the bottom far. of the shower, rocking and holding himself. This emergency's gotten crying. too emergency-ish. Is, and then, of course, as good. you know, uh, my male stripper name was, uh, 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 you know, Vanilla Thunder. Right. Was. You say the term was. Well, for then Jed suggested that there is a, a male stripper group called... Uh, the Thunder the, from Down Under. The Thunder from Down Under. I don't know how Jed knows that. I know all kinds of things. Jed's flown to Vegas before. So... <laughs> that, uh, and that is the kind of thing they advertise in the Vegas airport. Yeah. Too. <laughs> so I, I was forced to change my name uh, to the Vanilla Gorilla. Right. Uh, strip under that. Although, very recently... Uh, it's been a development. I, breaking news. A breaking news, and I sent this out to all the people that I know, and if you think I'm kidding, I am actually not. Not at all. I These said, are the things that Jed not. and I get under the title work email. Yeah, yeah no, I correct. was included and, uh, in that email as well. Yeah. yeah um, so I decided uh, to change my uh, theoretical male stripper name yet again. In to, honor of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. In honor of Dwayne, Dwayne The Rock Johnson to the mighty Twerkules. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And uh, no, Matt, so, do something, man. so that's that's that. This is what we're dealing with on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are the important truths that we're going to. <laughs> I, think that, I think this emergency got too real. I I think it did. did. I think before it can spiral any further out of control, I'm going to go ahead and declare a very disturbed <laughs> and abrupt emergency off. I just feel so dirty. <laughs> no, stop, that's the worst part. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> He's just rocking at the bottom of that shower hole. I'm going back to Georgia. <laughs> Must make clean. You know, we work very hard at this podcast on the at the front end to be a little goofy and a little right. loose to welcome the people. <laughs> to say this is a safe space. We're going to talk about God. We're going to talk about sex. We're going to talk about deep, important topics. And we want right. you to relax. And you, th- you think the crying in the shower imagery is helping that? My cousin was a male stripper. <laughs> Oh, come on. I can't tell if that's you doing the Peaches impression or you doing the impression to the offended listener, kind and of, it's all yeah, gone all, off the rails. Yeah, just you're right. You're right. It's This is inappropriate. So the reason we have to let these thoughts out on the podcast is because 
We do very serious ministry jobs during the day. Yes. Right. Part of that is our bridge service. We do that every Tuesday right here in the city. That's for folks coming out of gangs, folks coming out of jail, folks coming out of addiction. And uh, we record the sermons and the songs from that bridge service monthly, and we wow. put them in bridge box. Yes, we do. And our bridge service has two part-time employees because of Bridgebox. Oh, Two guys yeah. from the neighborhood, products of our ministry, who now work out, help us service, help us with the guys. They're only able to do that, have ministry jobs, because people sign up for Bridgebox. Mm-hmm. And you get a lot of cool stuff for your walk. Songs Jed has written for the people at the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, worship songs that Lee has written for his people. He'll pop up in there, and he'll do some s- segment recording. Occasionally, we'll get some, some cool artists from Tennessee, like our friend Southern Harmonic, who will pop up, and Lee will help them out. You'll get preaching from Glenn. You'll get Bible studies. We started having guest devotionals from people like uh, our friend on Young Life staff, Devin McCarty, a guy who works does amazing homeless ministry here in Chicago named Jeremy Nichols. Mm-hmm. we got some other really cool uh, people lined up, some people who work in recovery centers, some professors from yep. Christian colleges. A lot of cool stuff. Paying around to questions. September is, is what do I need for a healthy Christian life? Then transferring into October, which is going to be what can someone like me do about social justice? So here's what Bridgebox is. You get all that good stuff for your walk. You pay only $8 a month, and that $8 goes directly into funding ministry so that we have people around who can keep us from going off in these terrible Yes, rides. that's exactly we right. We would not have done that if Kim and Craig were here. We'd have no, thought we need right. to have set an example. Exactly we right. We need a spotter. Exactly. Wow. (laughs) Lee actually ducked out of Skype frame on that one. Yeah. yeah, You failed Lee with that. Yeah. Yeah. You also sign up. Yeah. It it wasn't a walkout type situation, but holy crap, man. If you think that Lee should be uh, compensated a little bit for putting up with this, and boy, should he, you can sign for Bridgebox Lee Younger. That's a special Lee Younger brand of version. some songs from Lee video and he gets a little money to put into his ministry down there and we take a small percentage of that for the the website and whatnot and uh that's the number one way people ask how can you support the podcast love what you guys do what can we do you can leave a review absolutely leave a review if you really want to help us out you really want to upgrade yourself to super fan status you can sign up for bridgebox and you want to sign up for bridgebox because you want to be a super fan and of course you want the button that declares you're a super fan, that you are not a robot cyborg, mm-hmm, that you right. listen to God's favorite podcast. We got that three pack of buttons. We'll be happy to send that out to you. I think Lee may even have some uh, T-shirts left from his initial runs. He's not for Bridgebox right. Lee Younger. You might get yourself a nice Lee Younger feather tee. All right, we're going to move on to our first question here. If you have a question for us, hang out with us all the way in. This first question comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says... I know that following Jesus results in change, but I'm wondering if some people take longer to change than others. I do see that God is changing me, but I feel like I'm growing slower when I compare myself to others. I still am insecure, and I worry if maybe I'm not on the right track. Is all this sounding normal? Thank you for all your help. Jed, can you kick us off? I sure can. Here's here's the key thing that I think we want to start with is um, when we look at other people, uh, we're actually not seeing their growth. Okay. Uh, we're we're not seeing uh, what's really going on. What we're seeing is what they choose to show us. Yeah. That's that's what we're actually seeing. When we look at ourselves, we it's not that we have a complete picture when we look at ourselves because actually we really don't. But we have more of a sense of what's going on behind closed doors when we look at ourselves. When we look at other people, we see what they put on display. And what all of us, we, all of us do uh, quite a bit of counseling with people. What we can tell you is there's a huge difference, including for church people, between what they put on display and what's actually going on in their Hello. lives. You mean, Jed, are you insinuating that 
my friends' Instagram accounts is not a true record of their real actual life from day to day. <laughs> I, I know it's hard to believe, Lee, but yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, is the sunlight not always refracting onto their Starbucks <laughs> and journal just so? Yes. But they said some time setting that up. I think, I think that's... I was just going to say, I, I, you know, I think the idea of you can defang this whole process just by telling people like, hey, it's totally normal to feel this way. It's yeah, totally normal yeah. to feel like you're behind the curve. I think when all of us honestly look at our lives, it, it would be very easy to say if you are, if you if you do approach it with any kind of humility and honesty to say, man, there's a whole lot to clean up in here. One of the things that's yeah. cool that can actually be encouraging is 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 to know that if 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 I can see the mess, then that means that there's a light on in here. You know, that, yeah, that God yeah, is doing yeah. something in my life and that's that you know, if I see what needs to be changed, it's because God has started to illuminate some things and, I, and now I'm starting to see that this needs to be cleaned up and this thing over here needs to be tightened up and that's actually that's not a bad thing. I mean, the idea that we're going to get anywhere close to being fully cooked by the time we're done with this life. You, we can go ahead and relax on that front and say everybody has so much to deal with. The Lord is patiently walking us through this. This is a totally normal thing to feel from the outset. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fantastic point. And one of the ways to defang something like this is just to play it out. Like, I think, Glenn, you, you've made the point before of it's important to look at that and say, what if this is true? To the point of, okay, I'm, slow, I'm growing slower. So what does that mean? Exactly right. It, it doesn't mean anything at all. You so you're weaker than other people. Somebody else is stronger than you. So what? <laughs> yeah. What? What difference does that make? Do do you? Is it like we we're only paying attention to the cool ones in the room? Uh, yeah. Is that how this There's goes? No cash yeah. prize for getting there first. Yeah, I mean. Uh, uh, the more I grow on the walk, uh, the, the the more people tend to be a little bit uh, jealous of me in certain ways. That's not a bonus. I no. mean, it doesn't work uh, to an advantage there. So um, we don't have that that uh, need of uh, figuring out. Okay, I, I have to compete with everyone else uh, and yeah. somehow, you know, show them that I'm whatever. You, it, everybody's got to be somewhere and. Uh, that saying that you see going around the internet, don't compare your chapter one to my chapter 20. And I think that's a a good way of looking at that. Uh, Also, we we need to look at this uh, when we're talking about uh, making changes, when we're talking about growing. Um, uh, We need to be, because I I think what we're thinking of is I have an abundance of sin where where, uh, other people appear to have less sin, right? (laughs) Sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's the thing. They've gone to sin watchers. They've shed it. (laughs) Exactly right. Here's the thing. The word sin, you've heard this before on the podcast. You've heard this before in your Sunday school class. It's the right definition for the word. Uh, It means to miss the mark, right? So um, in Greek, that's hamartia. And what that word means is there is a bullseye that's the right thing to do that you didn't quite hit yep. so there's a good thing not done yep. right yeah there's a different word in greek in the bible when you did do something it was you, the wrong thing it was the wrong uh-huh. thing and we translate that into english as a transgression sometimes we translate it um as a, a trespass mm. you might hear that word used and it's it and, and in the greek it sort of is describing like you're going down a path and you sort of are on this parallel path that's that's you know sort of getting further and further away from where you need to be. 
But um, when when you're trying to, to focus on the sin in your life, that's about a, a, something that's oh, oh, there's an omission there mm-hmm. that we're trying to mm-hmm. to uh, deal with. So how do you compare that with someone else? In Absolutely. other words, Jed, how does Jed know what good thing I'm supposed to be doing that that I'm not right. doing yeah. in my sure. life? That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I love the idea of of instead of focusing on sin, focus on you know what's my goal today. Where, where do I want to be? I mean, uh, one of the things I love about about like uh, friends of mine who are in AA, for instance, is that they have this cool idea. Like they all have the same objective, you know, and it's a dirt yeah. simple objective. We want to make it through this day without turning yeah. to that substance. And I, I love the the way that they the, the way that they support each other, the way they look at each other. You know, like if you go to a meeting, you got one guy over here who's been sober for twenty eight years. You got another guy over here who's been sober for four days. And the guy yeah. that's been sober yeah. for twenty eight years, he's not looking down on the guy that's been sober for four days. In fact, Absolutely. the way he would talk is, you know, at the end of the meeting, the guy that's been sober for four days is going to go over to him as you know this other dude. He's probably his sponsor, for instance, and say. Man, I can't thank you enough for this meeting and the things that you said yeah. today. Because of that, I'm, I'm going to make it through this day. And I can tell you, everybody I've ever known that's been in AA, that dude that's been in it 28 years would look right back at the guy that's been in that's been sober for four days and would say, you know what, I'm going to make it through this day because of you. You know, You're no right. matter yeah, where right. you are on the scale, you can be an encouragement to somebody that you think's farther along. And every single one of us are in the same position, no matter how much sin you think you have or how much stuff you didn't do, of today is about walking with Jesus. That's what yeah, that, yeah, I have an yeah, objective. Yeah. I have a goal. It's not about like avoiding the minefield and all that stuff. It's what would it look like today to follow Jesus? And that's a whole different thing. Yeah. Well, you know, part of why I think that's so important, I cut you off, brother? No, no, go ahead. Part of why I think that's so importantly is because real change in life takes a long time. Yeah, yeah. Real, actual, substantive change, it takes years, if we're going to be honest. You know, we, in our day job, we see people go from literally in prison, literally homeless, to uh, have a job, place in the suburbs, you know, squared away. You know, you'd never guess any of those things were part of their story. But it took five, ten years for that transition right. to happen. And that's going guns blazing as fast as it can be done, you know, for that to occur. But I think when we look at ourselves, we have a sense of, I should be able to pull all this together yeah. in an right. afternoon. Right. Um, and that's just, it's not realistic. Um, it, it, the truth is changes happen slowly. Things peel away by layers. We have to keep going back to the same struggles and dealing with kind of the next layer down and the next layer below that, next layer below that. And if we'll focus, as you're pointing to, Lee, on what's the task before me today, yeah. and if we'll string a thousand of those days together, we will see transformative change take place in our lives. Yeah. There's no mm-hmm. question about it. But we can't just jump ahead of that process. We have to choose to face this day and let God connect the dots on those days of choosing the next right thing. Amen. I think that's very true. One of the things that points to this thing we talk, talk about with comparison is not only do you see kind of to as Glenn was talking about kind of the internet shows about this, another one is kind of your raw footage versus someone's highlight reel. So not only do you see them kind of making what looks like bigger strides, it's easy to convince yourself in the comparison of I'll, maybe I got where they are, but I had I saw how much sweat went into that. Yeah. And I just see them on Sunday, so it looks pretty easy. Yeah. And part of the reason that'll mess your head is you can convince yourself that they're doing things the God way, which is quick and easy. Yeah. So if I was on the right path, it would be quick and easy. 
It's almost like people think God's in a hurry with that. Exactly right. And that's the thing is uh, God isn't in a hurry. He's patient. That's yeah. that's in the Bible, like you a can, lot. You can look that up. <laughs> Unlimited yeah, patience. I'm, I'm, yeah, I mean it's it's like a divine patience that he has. I don't know why there isn't an assumption of that in 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 people's minds. I think Christians uh, want to hurry up and get to that place. But what's interesting is they want to hurry up and get to a place of competence. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And then. Yeah. Plateau off. Right. Yes, that's they, exactly they, right. They, they, that's the picture in their minds. Is just check it off. Yeah, just I get to that place and I just put her in cruise control and I'm Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm fully Christian, yeah. qualified. I got my card and I got the membership dues and all that, whatever. Um, but what uh, uh, what uh, both Lee and Jed are describing here really is a process where there's a thousand tiny steps that mm-hmm. you're taking forward. And and a thousand after that, and another, you know, just constant little tweaks and improvements yeah. and learning and taking important steps one day at a time yeah. as, as yeah. you go through these things. And I don't think we're comfortable with no. that. We no. want we, again, we want to jump to a place of sort of competency and acceptableness and whatever, and then we can take a big break and level off. And that's uh, that's not. Well, I think what you're talking well, about is the difference between. Having a life where my focus is to not sin, my focus is to reduce right. sin yeah. in my life, and then uh, the difference between that and having a life where my focus is to learn what it would mean for me to walk with Jesus every day. Which, you know, right. like when the 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 first thing we think, you know, there's there's a certain amount of sin in my life, and it's like whack a mole, and I just want to get rid yeah. of it all, and it's you know yeah. something else pops up that there's no end to that thing, and that's in not in a good way. But we think, as you're saying, we can just get rid of it and plateau off and be fine, and then you know the other side of that is learning to walk with Jesus. That's there are depths to that that never end. That that it yeah. always right. gets better and better. I remember one time Jed talking about. Um, uh, you know this idea that what if you you've got this sin and you're so focused on getting rid of it or whatever and it's it's making you feel like you're not growing, but what if the Lord is saying, you know what, I'm not going to give you the strength right now to get past that because if you got past that right now, you would think you were really something. And yeah. what you yep. need is you need to understand how powerless you are. I mean, yeah. I you know yeah. I've yeah. been. I, I, lately, I've been reading really like good. the letters of John Newton, he's a pastor from 250 years ago, and he talks about this, that God allows certain sins to, to keep a little place in our heart just because one of the most important things that he's trying to teach us through the process of our life, like as you're saying, over all these thousands of steps is, uh, child, you need me. Child, you need yes. me. You yeah. need yes. me. Don't yes. ever wake up and think you can go through a day without absolutely needing me. No question. And I think one of the things, you know, all of us on this podcast have the benefit of age. Uh, This stuff looks a little bit different when you're older versus when you're younger. I know for a lot of our folks that are listening or watching, they're, you know, they're younger people. And here's the thing is... um, We've all been in youth group or in college group or even in church and seen that guy that's just, everything's so anointed. Wow. And it's so blessed. It's so good. And it's just, isn't he, isn't he good? Isn't he amazing? We're just so glad to be in his presence today. And then we've still been there three years later, four years later, five years later, when that dude has fallen off and is not on this Christian thing wow. at all. Yeah, that's true. Right. 
Now, I don't bring that up to take pleasure in it because I don't. It's an awful thing, but we've seen that happen a thousand times. It's it's a cliche. But when you're young, you haven't actually seen that occur. You right. you walk into church, you walk into youth group, you walk into college group, and you say, here's me, a mess, with all of my doubts and all of my fears and all of my issues and all my sins, and there's that guy with the tight t-shirt and the square jaw and just everything's so amazing and anointed. And I am never going to be that guy. Yeah. I'm never going to be like him. I'm never going to look like him. I'm never going to sound like him. Clearly, that's what God's looking for. It has to be. And and I'm not that. So where, where does that leave me? The truth is the people that keep walking with the Lord are the people that say, I'm going to take it a day at a yeah. time. Yes, yeah. I'm a mess. Yes, I have problems. But I'm going to be real with God one day at a time. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with God one day at a time. I'm going to get strength from God one day at a time to do the thing he's calling me to do today. People that choose to live out their their faith in that fashion are still going 30 years from now. Um, when all the people with the tight t-shirts and you know the square jaws have either fallen off or leveled off or moved on to other things. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely right. And it's, it ties back to a little bit of what Lee was talking about, about the uh, kind of the having a goal thing because people don't have a goal and get in that idea of I've said before of their idea, which if you played out their idea of what a perfect Christian life is, it's sitting in the middle of a white room and just not sinning. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But that, that plays in that thing of it's, it's for some people, it's way about more, way more about what it looks like than what it is. And here's the thing. What we all know is progress is icky. Yes, it gets right. messy, but you're going somewhere and you don't mind all the mess because you have a goal. You're moving, but if you're only let me let me put it this way: if your goal is to succeed at something, you can put up with the time and the mess stuff. If your goal is to not fail at anything, yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of leads to that uh, paralysis by analysis we talk right. about sometimes. Right. Just yeah. well, I could do this, but this might go wrong, and this might be the wrong thing. And if you have, a, even if you, you're a young person, you have a vague idea of I want to walk with Jesus and be cool to people and help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll find ways to do that. And as for people who do stuff every week that helps people in a hard time, it's going to look like a disaster, like almost all of the time. Yeah, right. it's totally true. The, our bridge service on, on Tuesdays here in Chicago <laughs> is held yeah. together by false hope and the personal will of Glenn Fitzgerald. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> and that's it. That's correct. And here's what it looks like at the end of the night is everybody who is in the service and our host team, we have a church come in and other pastors going, well, that was really great. And I just love coming here and me, Glenn and Jed in a heap outside going, thank you. It was, <laughs> right. It's lovely having you as so well. True. It just, it takes the energy from us and passes it out. Right. right but right. the bridge service is awesome. It's what we want to do with our life. We don't mind it taking some time to get there and some yeah. having some mess on the way. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. We're going to transfer into our next uh, question here. But first, we're going to do something a little different, something we're very excited about. We have our first ever Say That interview. Ooh. Ooh. So, I fear change. Yes. Glenn fears change. <laughs> we, we sprung it on him. <laughs> true words never spoken. I just amused myself completely with That's that. good. It's funny because it's true. Um, so we... Here, here's the thing, folks. We rag on the Christian book industry a lot in this podcast. It, yeah. For a couple of reasons. First and foremost, they deserve it. <laughs> Super deserve <laughs> it. Second of all. Super deserve it. Because of how much they deserve it and how much material there is, we enter we are entertained by it endlessly. Yeah. Right. And maybe third down the list, we do feel you folks need to know what's going on in that Christian book industry. So when you pick up the book, from the guy with the tight T-shirt, who doesn't have, who is the 
executive pastor of a giant growing church, but has never actually talked to anyone, you know that that may not be what you're looking for. But we don't want to be all negative all the time. Well, I do, but they, these other three won't let me. Yeah. Right. So we have a Christian author on the podcast who wrote an awesome book that we like. Important Christian author, not author of Christian books. She right. This gal's name is Raj Paulus. She's written a young adult novel with some awesome Christian themes in there. And uh, Jed, Jed knows her a little bit. They went to the same college. And he, we sat down with her. She's an awesome, award-winning writer. She's been a finalist, a bunch of young A, uh, YA uh, kind of competitions and stuff. Her books are, she has one book out on Amazon and one coming, I think. And she was kind enough to sit down with us and kind of talk about her book and her story and what she wants to accomplish as a Christian writer. So if you're into YA fiction, if you think this would be a cool book, you want to listen to this. But also if you just like the idea of getting a little peek behind the curtain of kind of some of this Christian writerly stuff mm, we talk about cool. and what it is of someone who actually said the right uh, attitude about this, which is I love young adult fiction and I love the Lord and I found a way to use both of those things together to help out people. So we're going to throw to that interview and then we're going to come back and give you some more book recommendations right oh. after this. All right, I'm joined by Rajdeep Paulus, who's the author of Swimming Through Clouds. It's a story about uh, some young uh, young girl, Talia, and her brother, and going through a tough time and meeting a guy in school. And can you just walk us a little bit through about what it was about this story that made you want to go with this for your first novel? I kind of found the story uh, through the back door. I finished my first um, novel, my first attempt at a novel, and um, you know, I, I gave it to to a guy who who was uh, actually he's worked with Will Smith and different people in the movie industry and he's um, anyway so he was you know I was asking him about the story and he said you know there's this girl named Talia who's in trouble and and uh, you know what's going on with her like why is why is she in danger like what's her, what's her story why is why is it so critical for this guy Lagan to connect with her and so this was a totally different story I'd written and. And I said, that's a really good question. <laughs> and so uh, one day I, I sat down at my laptop and I started writing um, Swimming Through Clouds just to kind of understand what this story was. And uh, two chapters in, I, I literally was like bawling at my computer. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. How can wow. I do this to, to somebody? But um, I think, you know, I think uh, kind of found her story that way because I'd written a totally different book about Lagan and this girl named Talia, but it was a, a book that took place in the future of their relationship. And so I kind of backtracked and then found this story. And that's, that's really cool. You mentioned, um, feeling bad about what you've done to Talia. Um, <laughs> it's fair. I think it's fair to say this, that you don't really shy away from the darker aspects of stuff, especially as far as for a young lady and, um, a not particularly happy home situation and not, can you just talk to us a little bit about why you felt pushed to go that way and how you're, your faith kind of informed your dealing with those kind of topics? I think, um, at least as a new writer, I wanted to offer something fresh. I know there's a lot of heartbreaking stories out there, and, and you can't really find too much new stuff. I mean, some, it feels like sometimes it feels like every problem has been written about, every you know terrible thing has been already talked about in a novel. So I really wanted to write about something that was a little bit different, um, a little bit fresh, or like a little different take on on what an abusive situation could be like but I also um you know there's so many amazing 
fights you could uh, take up arms against in this lifetime. There's so many uh, tough issues out there. And for me, if, if I want to make a small dent into at least one issue in my lifetime, I, it's human trafficking. And so even though these stories don't necessarily go deep into the issue of human trafficking, it, it's something that was important for me to bring out um, in, into these stories. And um, because uh, I think there's a, if, if you want to offer a story of hope, um, I think it's important that there's a bit of hopelessness, <laughs> you know, in, in the situation. Um, and I don't know. did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. <laughs> actually, you also transitioned into my next question because you mentioned the fights in this life. Lagan does um, tell Talia about a book that gives her hope and it, you term it the beautiful fight. And it's obviously a, kind of the Bible in a certain sense, but what's I really like that nomenclature of the beautiful fight and can you tell us about coming up with that kind of concept for the bible sure yeah um you know um I didn't grow up in a in church I didn't grow up um with a Christian background and so I really wanted to offer a story that anyone could pick up and um really connect with and not necessarily um immediately think oh this is a Christian story or this is a story that's going to tell me about you know the story of, of Christ or something like that. And so, um, I, you know, I was really racking my brain because I wanted to, um, like I said, I wanted to offer a story of hope, but I know from my own personal experience, like the most authentic source of hope does come from Christ. It does come from God. And so, um, you know, and I, I wanted to package it in a way that um, kind of really summed up what I think I wanted to share in the story. And that is that life is a fight. It is. It's. I mean, no matter how you go through it, there's going to be. It's going to be a fight. Um, but the the beauty in the fight is that you're not alone, and that's kind of. Um, that's how I kind of came up with the name, um, the beautiful fight. And I, I just. I think um, not growing up necessarily in the church, I. Um, I can say, you know, for the first twenty years of my life, when I heard the word Jesus, or the, I heard the word Bible, or I heard the word church, it was kind of like an automatic made me want to shut the door and, and whatever was left of the conversation. And I, I don't want to, I, as a writer, I want my, I want to open doors and I want to build bridges. Um, so yeah, it's kind of, I wanted to c kind of create a different name for the message that is timeless, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And you, you did a really deft handling of being, dealing with content that was Christian, but sure. doing that without being so explicitly Christian, would you say that approach was, formed by kind of an outsider perspective in the church? No, I definitely think so. I think, um, I think, uh, also sometimes as a young, young person of faith, you, you kind of, with your maybe zealousness and your excitement, you sometimes, um, burn bridges <laughs> sure. because you kind of overdo it and you kind of, you know, get caught up in, um, culture, the cultural side of Christianity. And so I think, um, you know, as a writer, even before I put out my first book, my agent actually asked me, he said, well, what kind of writer do you want to be? Like, where do you want to find your book in, in Barnes and Nobles? Do you want it to be in the Christian section or do you want it to be in the young adult fiction section? And I thought about it. And I was like, well, how wide would my audience be if I had it on this little tiny shelf hidden sure. in some corner versus. And so and um, so definitely, you know, growing up, I would have never gone to that section. So I'm thinking about a young version of me looking for a book <laughs> and thinking that those are the kids I want to reach and those are the teens I want to just reach. So, yeah. yeah. What what made you specifically decide that it was kind of teens and kids? Like why why young adult is the genre? 
Yeah, I have always just had such a heart for teens. I think, uh, you know, the teenage years are when we ask some of the biggest questions, when we start to really figure out who we are and what we believe and what matters to us. And we start to figure out, like, what's, what does friendship really mean? And sometimes um, it's when we experience a lot of firsts, like that first crush, the first kiss. For, you know, a lot of firsts happen, a lot of first you know, time away from our parents for, once we head off to college. And so I think there's just something... Um, it's, it's a special time. And I, I think it gives a lot of freedom in writing too, where you don't, you know, it's like um, adult novels, there's just so much to deal with. And I don't know that I have the maturity. <laughs> <I'm not> <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> like, I think down deep down inside, I'm stuck at like 16. <laughs> I, have a, I have a working theory that we're all 14 deep down and it's just varying <laughs> levels of faking it <laughs> past then. Before you get your license. <laughs> Absolutely. You, you mentioned the crush thing, and as you do handle the, you don't fall into Christian cliches, which is easy to do in the book, but you also don't really fall into the love story cliches. Like, there's clearly a romantic aspect between Talia and Lagan's relationship, but there's also a lot of other stuff going on. And can you tell us just about what informed the way you wrote that relationship? It definitely has like little tidbits that are from my own love story. I can't lie. There's like these tiny little details. Like my husband is a big Bulls fan and um, he definitely um, pursued me with a really fun, different way. We came from a, a different, um, we come from different parts of India, which is for our gen, from our, our parents' generation was kind of a, a tough thing to swallow that we weren't necessarily from the same part. But um yeah, I wanted to really reintroduce the idea of romance because I feel like a lot of times in young adult fiction nowadays, I feel like a lot of authors are just pushing kids into the uh, physical relationship so quickly that it's really disheartening to me because I'm like, what happened to like just good old fashioned romance where there's like a pursuit and a, you know, a curiosity and a lot of awkwardness. And I mean, that's really what it's like. And, and those, you know, I feel like a lot of adult writers are trying to almost write adult romance into a teenage experience, which I, I just don't find it to be authentic. So sure. I, I can, <laughs> we can all buy, you know, post-apocalyptic uh, games for food and boy wizards, but teenagers who aren't awkward around the opposite sex, that's just, <laughs> that's well, in, that's well, far too into the realm of fantasy for most of us. Well, you mentioned um, you and your husband being from India. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about just kind of being a writer and being a Christian who's part of, really an underrepresented demographic, both in being a woman and being a woman of color. Like, obviously you have some great things to say in the book that are informed by your experiences, but it's not an experience you see a lot. If you, especially if you go through the, as you're mentioning the Christian section of the bookstore, it's, it's a lot of kind of white guys who look that kind of look like they came out of a factory with that, that same <laughs> smile that they taught them how to do. I remember like when I first uh, started writing and I was looking for my own role models, I was looking for, you know, people in the industry that were, Indian, um, grew up in America, you know, had some kind of faith background. And I would do all these different kind of searches, word searches on Google and trying like just desperately to find one person out there who I, who I could look up to and say, well, let's see how she did it and kind of learn from her. And it was really hard. Like I, I think the closest thing I came to happened probably this last year when I ran in, when I met Tosca Lee. Um, you know, she, she's a half Korean, half Scottish uh, woman who writes, she's a written books with Ted Decker. She's got, she's got a really great story. And a really great accent, I would say, just <laughs> based well, on those two things coming Nebraska, together. So she's like, Ooh, maybe not so much on the accent. No, no. <laughs> but, um, you know, as soon as I saw her, I like, was like, come, 
to me, you're somebody who looks a little bit different. <laughs> um, but I think there is definitely a lack of um, authors out there with my particular background, which is great in the sense of uh, I feel like there's a lot of um, opportunity in terms of bringing diversity to the market, um, but also can be frustrating at times because you, you can sense that there's just not, even though the world claims to be more and more tolerant and more and more diverse and more and more interested there's still, there's definitely still a lack of the market as a whole changing, a lack of um, maybe openness mm-hmm. to the diversity. And was it important to you? Is important to you, obviously, as an author. Was it important to you to have characters who were kind of the same way? Because I mean, you could you could have you know written the same story about Sarah and Timmy and yeah, you know, but. It's it's interesting for me and for I know some of our more white male listeners that to understand how big of a concept representation is because it's easy for me to say I don't see the big deal about representation but that's because like to put it in terms I understand six sevenths of the Justice League is white dudes so you know it's kind of like but and I love those white dudes <laughs> totally they're great but there's you know so was it important to you to have characters who not only you understood their experience in their story but also in their backgrounds oh definitely I think um every kid out there wants to read a story where they can see themselves and I think um you know I live in New York City well Long Island but New York I mean close enough um and I you know spent a lot of years in Chicago and even where I grew up in Windsor Ontario was, was very diverse um and I think um you know seeing especially this generation there's so many kids who have um, two parents from different ethnic backgrounds. You know, my, my own, all my nieces and nephews are half Colombian, half Indian, or half Indian, half African American. And I want to write stories for them. I want them to pick up a book and say, wow, that, that kid probably looks just like me. And I think there's, there's something about that mirror um, qu- quality that happens when you're reading a story, when you can actually see yourself, not just going through the character's problems, but actually see yourself physically looking potentially like that character. I think there's a deeper sense of connection. And, and I really, I do want to write for those those kids out there that, that maybe have never picked up a book and said, wow, that kid's half Indian and half South African? That That's me, you know? And so, yeah. That ties into kind of what you did with the Christian stuff because weaving all that in, and I wanted to close by asking you about, I don't want to ruin the, the plot point, but the story of the woman who was bleeding for 12 years is very sure. important to Talia in the book. Can you talk? And I, I love that story so much. Can you talk to us a little bit about what resonated with you and with the character about that particular story? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't want to like, I, I think it was really important to me to include a story that, that could be recognized as, um, you know, straight from the Bible, but symbolically I wanted, I wanted the character to struggle with, um, the story, because I think as a as a young person, when I was seeking my own faith story out, and I was trying to figure out what was true and what made sense and what was really going to, um, you know, be a, an authentic source of hope for me in those those awful years of <laughs> of trying to grow up and figure everything out. Um, you know, I struggled with those stories. I wondered, sure. like, were they were they true, and did they really um, like was this person who claim to do miracles was he was he the same person who you know does miracles today and does I mean like what he offered that woman in the story was was just um it it spoke so loudly to me because he did it almost without speaking you know like she just touched his robe like she just touched his his 
his coat and she didn't have to explain herself. She didn't have to explain her heartache. And I think um, that was probably why this story resonated with me so much, because I think, you know, even though I, <laughs> I do have the gift of gab and, <laughs> and I love to write, I love words. I think um, often like when you're going through something tough, that's when you, you can't find words and you, and you just want someone, you just want to believe that there really is somebody out there who, who knows you and understands you and understands your pain and, and accepts you anyway. And isn't trying to, you know, um, convince you of a, a thousand important facts at that moment. They just want to, they just want to love you, and they want to, they want to, they want to help you. And so, you know, I think, you know, for me, my own personal journey, I think recognizing that there was a God out there who just accepted me and just loved me, and I didn't have this long list of things I had to make sure I did, or this checklist of all things I'd done wrong working against me. Like, <laughs> and I think that story is is kind of weaved into the story the woman who bled for 12 years because here she was just at the end of a rope. She tried everything. And, um, I think for Talia, that's, that's what it was like for her. She, she had tried everything. And so I hope it was a, a story that, that worked effectively. <laughs> I think it really did. And t- tell me if I'm wrong here, cause I don't know if you're thinking of this, but one of the re- things I love about that story and one of the things that speaks to me is the idea of this is the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. Um, and most translations and most people have said that today. She was actually menstruating for 12 straight years. Yeah. And she, sort of, she had a big embarrassing problem mm-hmm. that is actually is obviously kind of related to puberty. So there's almost a little it's a very young adult story in a certain way of having a problem that's kind of messy and embarrassing and too big for her to being solved. It's almost kind of a parallel to what happens. And a lot of what's going on in Swing Through Clouds is problems we would all like to pretend didn't exist. Yeah. We would all like to pretend that kind of racial underrepresentation and child abuse and human trafficking are swept under the thing, but it's almost a story of a girl who finds out that Jesus doesn't wish her problems didn't exist. Yeah. Wow. I actually had never really thought of it that way, but that's pretty cool. All right, well, <laughs> I'll take that. I, th- I think we should end on me being right, personally. But oh, th- Raj, I think thank- use that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Feel free. Um, thanks so much for joining us. I think everybody um, who's listening to this would do very well to go out and find Swimming Through Clouds, which is out now, and Seeing Through Stones, both available on Amazon. I think, am I right that you can get the first two chapters of Swimming Through Clouds for free on Amazon? Yep, definitely. So check that out. You can also uh, find Raj on Twitter at RajdeepPolis. It's R-A-J-D-E-E-P-P-A-U-L-U-S and RajdeepPolis.com. And Raj, we, we, you talked about human trafficking a little bit, and it's it's we don't want to propose a problem without proposing a solution. And your husband's kind of doing something about that at the moment, right? You want to close this out by talking about a little bit about cycling for change? Yeah. So my husband, he's uh, he started this organization called C4C 2015 um, because next summer in July 2015, he's going to be biking. He with a team of four guys, he'll be um, biking from Seattle to New York City, um, basically um, over 3,000 miles, about 115 a day with his team um, to bring some attention to the issues of human trafficking and uh, child poverty. And so, um, you know, I think uh, it was like I was saying earlier, like, you know, we have a short amount of time on this earth and a little window of opportunity to possibly make a dent in some cause. And I guess for both of us, these are issues that are really, really, they break our hearts. And if we can do it a tiny bit just to um, help an organization like uh, Nomi Network, which they're just amazing. I've, I've, I've worked with these women. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know them. And they, you know, they've, they're not just, um, you know, 
helping women out of the trafficking industry. They're actually providing jobs for them and teaching them skills to create beautiful products that we can buy. And that so it helps actually the money goes back to them and then they're able to stay out of the industry of sex slavery and help their daughters not to go that route. And so it's just a it's a it's a young organization. They're just really doing an amazing job. They're in India and Cambodia. And what's nice is that they are young, so it's a great chance to kind of help them out and to kind of continue to expand their reach. And so I'm just excited that, you know, he turns 40 on the day he starts biking. And, hey, if this is his midlife crisis, <laughs> I, I can work with this. It's <laughs> a lot cheaper than a sports car in a lot right. of ways. And they, they people can find information about that at c4c2015.com, right? Absolutely, yep. Well, we, we always encourage people on the show to uh, find people who are doing um, – really important ministry and support in any way you can. And that definitely goes for uh, Cycling for Change. So Raj, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. We hope you enjoyed that a lot. That we was had, fantastic. Sure. It was cool how we, we all a just lot of, sat here in the room and looked at each other while we listened to it. Yeah, we sat here and made <laughs> eye contact for 20 minutes. Pretty like, sweet. Mm-hmm, yeah, that's good. In dead silence. We weren't <laughs> piping the interview in. We just stared. But I had a lot of fun. We really appreciate Raj taking out the time. Again, you can find her website, rajdeeppolis.com. You can buy her book on Amazon. As a matter of fact, if you go to Amazon, you can preview the first two chapters of Swimming Through Clouds for free. Oh, yeah. Good books for free is kind of what we're talking about here. That's what we're talking about. So let's say maybe you're not a young adult fiction person. We want to take a real quick round and recommend some books for you. Glenn, why don't you start us off? Yeah, by the time this comes out, I've made some other recommendations on my blog. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Super my blog popular. is so popular. <laughs> now, the longer it takes to get to the word popular, yeah. is that kind of... That's how popular it is. Okay, I know it. that we were talking Super. about comparison in the first question, but like, if you were to compare right. the popularity of your blog, say, to the popularity of the other blogs represented by the guys talking on this podcast, where would yours yeah. sit in comparison to, say, ours? Uh, like, um, if you think of like an elephant with an ant... <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, popular was, one. Why don't you give us some book recommendations? This is so awful. Uh, here, uh, yeah. So I, I put some uh, similar stuff on my blog. You can check that out. Uh, two recommendations, and this is kind of for more of your advanced, advanced, advanced kind of stuff. If you really, really want to uh, dive into the word, um, some of you out there uh, like it when we break down the Greek stuff and want to get into the Greek stuff for yourself, which I think is an awesome idea, by the way. A really good book for that. That's totally for beginner, 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 beginners. Uh, is a book called Basic Greek in 30 Minutes a Day, and that's by a guy named James Found. But it's actually pretty fun to and easy to learn on. I don't know if you can do it in 30 minutes a day. It's you know you may have to go through it a little slower than that. Uh, but I've I, I'm I'm looking at it. And I think it's great. I highly recommend it. Um, also for deep deep thinking. You know I like my man Kierkegaard. Uh, uh, and I want to recommend a book called Provocations by Soren Kierkegaard. A very readable translation, which is very cool. Very important for Kierkegaard. Yeah. Uh, if you search, and here's a here's a super cool thing. If you search Google for Kierkegaard and provocations, those two keywords, the first hit will take you uh, to a, a website of a, a, a of a the name of the website is the Plow, and there'll be a free ebook that you can download. Nice. Uh, and read that, and it's a it's a it's really really good stuff. So that's my recommendation. 
Absolutely. Lee, what do you got? Uh, all right. This is a, my first recommendation is an older book. I don't think that this is on ebook or anything. You just check Amazon. I'm sure they've got, you know, copies for a penny plus shipping. There's a, a lady called Virginia Stem Owens, who was a columnist, uh, I believe with Christianity Today and some other publications. She wrote a book called Looking for Jesus about 10 years ago. Just a really cool mind just just kind of going through the gospels just watching how Jesus acted how he how he treated people how he treated different groups of people outcasts women stuff like that just what how compassionate and 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 surprising he was it's if if you're looking at just i want to get a look at Jesus not from the angle of the normal church culture uh the Virginia Stem Owens book looking for Jesus is just a really really well done book also um, a devotional book by a man called Mike Mason uh, is called The Gospel According to Job. It's a huge yes. book. It has way too many chapters. You don't have to read the whole thing. Each chapter is two pages long. And yep. um, okay. this is just about really how the message of the good news is in the old the old book of Job in the Old Testament. It's just about a guy basically saying, I know God loves me even though I'm going through a lot of hor- horrible stuff and a lot of suffering. And a bunch of church people saying, that can't be true because you must have sin in your life. And him saying, yeah. nope, I'm holding yeah. on to the fact that God loves me just because he loves me. And he, this guy breaks down the good news beautifully, chapter after chapter after chapter, against kind of the normal kind of church culture again. And so uh, that's The Gospel According to Job by Mike Mason. That's awesome. Jed? Yeah, I would uh, recommend one book. Um, it's entitled Boundaries. Uh, by I think it's Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Um, That's right. uh, boundaries are an incredibly important concept for having healthy relationships, uh, for uh, having really just a healthy life generally. They don't get talked about in church like at all ever, um, but they're incredibly important. It's a Christian idea uh, to yep. begin with. Um, I can't recommend enough picking up that book, reading it through. If you're in a relationship, uh, it's a great idea. If you're looking to be in a relationship, it's a great idea. If you're having issues with family, it's a great idea. Uh, can't recommend enough. Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend. Uh, pick that up. Give that a read. And those guys are like professional counselors, right? They are, so, yeah. You know Which is really awesome. I'm going to talk a couple of quick things here, and we'll move to our next question. Um Glenn put in for his uh, oddly Germanically worded author. I'm going to counter that with my man Frederick Beekner. If you, uh, one of the, it's my probably my favorite novel ever is a book called Godric that he wrote about a medieval shank. It's a fun story. It's short. It's really there's a lot of cool stuff layered in there. He also has a book. It's nonfiction called Telling Secrets. It kind of ties into some of the stuff we've talked about. If you want, it's a pastor in his middle age who's taught at like Princeton and stuff, going back through and thinking about how the family secrets and the secrets he kept uh, affected him and how to effectively deal with. There's a lot of, as Jed's talking about, a lot of cool relationship stuff in there. I'll throw this at you. Eugene Peterson, you may have heard that name. He actually translated the message translation, has written a lot of books, and one I really like is called Eat This Book. Yeah, And it kind of goes back to some of the stuff uh, Glenn and Lee were talking about with the Bible. Is uh, He basically looks at how he engages with Scripture, how he was taught to do that, the idea of how to read something, how to meditate on it, pray through pieces of Scripture, how that applies to life. It's a lot of cool stuff and a lot of practical stuff in there. All right, we're going to move on to our final question here. It came in anonymously at our Tumblr inbox. It says, I've been a youth leader for ages, and after a long time, I decided to call it quits because I wasn't making any true friends. I was different. I didn't say the phrases they did or enjoy the Christian rock pop bands. Mm. 
being away from church now, I realize that I wasn't trying to follow Jesus as much as I was trying to follow church culture. Now that I don't have either, my faith is lacking. I don't know how to pick it up without feeling like I need to change everything yeah. about me. Any advice? Lee, can you start us off on this one? Absolutely. Uh, thanks for your question. Thanks for writing this in. I, I've been a youth leader for a, a, a fair piece over a decade at this point, and I can tell you I hate those bands too. Um, <laughs> uh, I yeah. cannot. Well, to be fair, Lee, you don't hate them. You hate the things they put out into the world. Yeah. Right, but if we're going to say the band as a collective unit that puts out music, <laughs> hatred is fair enough a term yeah and uh yeah i i don't dig that stuff i don't I, I you know i don't i don't have the you know the soul patch and the whatever it is that that youth leaders are supposed to, i don't i don't care about any of that stuff but i i will say this as far as advice you know you're saying i've i've gotten out of youth ministry i don't know how to engage that church culture and i don't know how to be cool enough and i can't make the friends there but i love jesus I want to figure out where i plug into ministry i've got an idea for you and that is, what if you got involved in a ministry-type situation that didn't have anything to do with church culture? And, okay. and here's how you find that. Think about your town. Think about where you are and find the people who are the least represented and suffering the most. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is sad, and it should not be this way. You won't find a whole lot of church people uh, running their church culture there. Um, what yeah. you want to find yeah. is the least of these in your community. Um, yeah. I have one of my best friends who's a pastor with me on staff at our church. Uh, he found in our town an, an apartment building that is like a, it's a government subsidized housing kind of place. It's filled with people that are uh, struggling from mental illness, poverty, um, substance abuse, all this kind of stuff. This place is like hell on earth. These people yeah. are stuck there. They're, it's, it's, it's like a feedback loop of suffering and incompetence and mental illness and just it's freaking crazy there. And my friend, um, he just goes in there about every day of the week. He leads a Bible study there, but he goes room to room and he gets groceries for people and he takes care of them. He takes them to their eye appointments and to their doctor's appointments. And, and, uh, and I'll tell you this, if you find a ministry where you're reaching out to the least of these, here's what I can guarantee you. Nobody cares if you're cool. Yeah, the, yeah, that right. is not yeah, the right, metric. Right. Nobody cares if you have the right phrases or if you listen to the right bands or if you have the right clothes on or whatever. Here's what they care about. It's only one thing. Are you ready for it? Do you show up? Yes, Period. sir. Yeah. Yes, That's sir. it. I, I, I had the opportunity for a number of years to get involved with prison ministry in our community. And uh, we're on a hiatus on that for several reasons, but I can tell you this, in several years of doing prison ministry every single week, those guys loved us, not because we were cool, not because we had the right clothes or the right phrases or the, listened to the right bands, but simply because we flat out showed up. We showed up. Yeah. We were the only people who cared about them. And that's, what, that's, that's a good place to start is find some suffering people and just show up. Yeah, yeah. I think that's absolutely right, and it's the idea of serving people in church culture are not actually related, and Glenn, you've started several ministries at this point that church people don't know what to do with. Can you talk about the idea of kind of uh, being in Christian and doing Christian stuff but not being that guy? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, we're talking about uh, conforming to a culture, but that's not the same thing as connecting with the people yeah, that are in it. Right. The, yeah. you, you might be confused about that. Say, if I conform to the culture— 
then I'll fit in and everyone will like me and I'll be connected up and I will be joined to the larger body of whatever, whatever. And that's actually not necessarily true at all. Um, if you're part of a group of people that all are kind of doing lame stuff and they look at themselves in the mirror and they say, we're lame. And then you start acting lame like they like they do. Yep. They're going to think you're lame. Yes. <laughs> so they're not going to, it's the, I mean, you know, sure. I guess you'd be fitting in, but not in the way you'd want to, no. you know, right. Here's, here's the thing with that is we have to be in a position or, or get ourselves in a position where we're talking about uh, b- being part of a body when we're part of uh, what's going on is we have to be in a place where we can express to the people that we love an honest reaction to what it is that we're seeing, yeah. right? Um, when when I walk into certain churches, and, and all of us on this podcast, we go to a lot of churches, we're part of a lot, we speak at different deals, we see a lot of stuff. And, you know, plenty of it's good. You know, some of it we rag on, but, you know, plenty of it's plenty good. But there's some of the stuff that I go to where they are right up on trivializing the faith. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's so shallow, so cutesy. Yeah. So, um, you know, saccharine and, and uh, you know, uh, so emotional heavy that it's it's as if we've lost the whole thread on where jesus is in this and it offends me to be deadly honest with you it's offensive to me i find that insulting to god and to me and to the whole idea of what worship ought to be and i don't want to be in the same place where it's happening sure uh so jed and i we were talking about this other day (laughs) have been in gigs where i'm speaking and he's doing music and we have found ourselves both not in the room anymore. Not in the room, and also <laughs> across the street. Yep. When the service could end at any moment, and we're at the gas station <laughs> drinking soda pop and talking about what the heck it was that, and so yep. on and so forth. That's really inappropriate, but this is you know. But uh, I think it's I think it's almost right that you'd be offended by some of this and not want to fit into some of it. Yeah. And that people yeah. need to hear that. Well, on that tip of taking Christian stuff and replacing Christianity, Jed Hubbard, what's the G.K. Chesterton quote about that? Chesterton was a Christian writer um, uh, about 150 years ago, something like that. Ish. Um, and he has a, a famous book called Orthodoxy, uh, which you should read. That should be yeah, on your yeah, reading yeah. list. It's a great book. Um, but he said that kind of part of his journey to faith was he said, you know, I'm not really down with all this religion stuff. What I'm going to do is I should make up my own. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put together all of my favorite heresies. And, and heresy is a big word, just means a false teaching. I'm going to put them all together and just invent my own religion. And what I discovered is when I put together all of my favorite things that I wanted to be true, I realized I had assembled orthodox traditional Christianity. Sure. I, I wanted a religion where God loved me and accepted me no matter what and sought me out, you know, and it was his idea and he'd never give up on me. And then lo and behold, I asked, that is Christianity. Right. No, but it's not cultural Christianity. Not cultural no. Christianity, but it's biblical Christianity. Right, exactly. Orthodoxy, yeah. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. Lee, and you, you've got a lot of expertise on this because uh, the church Lee works at, I, this is the highest compliment I can pay, is the least churchy church yeah. I've ever Amen been to, to which is why yeah. it's good. So can you talk to us a little about that idea of doing you know, church, which is 
at least to, in some manners, the most Christian of things without getting caught up in the church culture stuff. Well, I mean, I, I have to say that the whole thing is pinned down. I'm going to use a phrase that, that I stole from Glenn. The whole thing comes from the DNA of our pastor. And this was Absolutely. a guy that... This is a guy that was on the mission field uh, in a giant European city that where no one knew Jesus for eleven years. He learned the language. Yeah. He reached the people. I mean, he was he had started three churches. One of them was was a, a church of all Arab immigrants to Italy, and this is a okay. church that he ran. He had one church that had all uh, Filipino immigrants to Italy. They they reached out to people with HIV, people with AIDS, and this is the guy that, I mean, he went, literally, the building where they would have church, he would go an hour early and pick up all of the, pick up all of the needles because, from all the heroin addicts who were in the, the neighborhood using that morning before everybody assembled for church. And, and then he would reach out to the heroin addicts who were still there before they started church. This is the guy who started our church. And from the get-go, what we always say, and we say it when we're praying every single Sunday morning before we start our first song, we pray to the Lord and we say, we are here to serve the people who are here. We are here to put a smile on God's face. We are here because we truly love and believe the words that we're about to sing and say. This is about them. It's not about us. This is about, we are here to wash these people's feet. This is what we mm. exist for. The training that I went through was, you, what, if I'm a pastor, that means my job is to love people and to help them through their week. That's what we do. We, we, want, we want to serve people. And, that's, and, and what's cool is, you know, people come to our church and they feel like, man, I, you know, I've been to so many churches. I've never seen anything like this before. Well, it's not that we're trying to do church better than anybody. The only thing that we're trying to do, and we learned it from this dude, is we are literally making it the goal of our lives to serve people. That's it. Amen. That's what we're doing Amen. there. Amen. Absolutely. And when you do that, it frees you up. So if you're the person writing this question, you can love people in a Christian way. You could even be in a church and do like youth ministry stuff yeah. without getting caught up in And that. nobody and cares thing- if you're cool. I mean, that's that's the great yeah, thing is we totally. we don't have to be cool. I mean, the guys that I work with, if you saw the three of us walking together, you wouldn't think that any, uh, no one would say that either of the three of us are cool. And what's funny is, though, when, when you make it the goal of your life to love and it's about the gospel and you were saying like, I don't say the right phrases and stuff like that. Well, you start making up phrases that other people want because when your life sure. is about the gospel, you're now setting the new phrases. Yeah, that's totally true. And let's take a moment and point out that if you have the latest Christian rock record and have the right Christian ease phrases, that is not what cool looks like. No, yeah. no, no. Here's something no. cool looks like. Cool looks like a guy who spent his entire youth really liking heavy rock music, writing heavy rock worship songs for outlaw biker gangs. That's that right. man would be Jed Brewer. Yeah. Right. So, Jed, you you came up kind of liking some things that Christians kind of turned up their nose at. Can you talk a little bit about making that as Christian as Christian gets? Well, sure. The bottom line is things mean something when you do something with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, life, hobbies, everything finds its significance when you use it to serve someone else. Uh, we, we've talked about this on the podcast before, but it bears repeating. Music doesn't have any intrinsic value. Art doesn't have any intrinsic yep. value. Stained glass doesn't have any intrinsic value. There, there's actually, there's almost no such thing as intrinsic value. There's yeah. only what you do with it. 
Um, that's that's it. And so you can take almost anything. You can take rock and roll for outlaw. You can take you know kind of uh, uh, hard rock and roll. You can take um, art. You can take cookies. You can take anything you want, and you can use them to love okay. people and serve people and build right. people up. Right, you right. can choose to do it. And the moment you do that, that becomes something sacred. It becomes something holy. It becomes something worthy. It becomes something of not just significance, but eternal right. significance. But it finds that the moment that you choose to use it to love and serve someone. And a lot of what Lee's talking about is the problem with cool is cool is about y'all come to me and tell me I'm yeah, cool. Y'all right tell me that I'm awesome. Love and service is about I'm going to you and telling you that you're loved. Yeah. Those two things point in completely different directions. You yeah. don't start with trying to be cool and end up loving people. It doesn't right. it doesn't work that way. It's cuz you're never cool enough to take the focus off of you. It's about you start by loving people and then you find cooler and cooler ways to love people. That's actually how that works. Yeah, man. Totally. One of the things if you're the question asker, if you've ever felt that way, which you're listening to four guys who felt that way, is one of the things as Leap started out with this is we don't need to reach out to people who are comfortable in church environments. Yeah. They will find church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're taken right. care That's of. That's what they dig. You need, if you are someone who's like, I'm not related to those Christian stuff, but I love Jesus a whole lot. That puts you in a situation to reach out to people like Thank you. you. Yes, right. I think you even have a verse about that. Kind yeah. Of that's, uh, if you look at first Corinthians nine, uh, 19 through 23, that's Paul saying there, uh, I become like the Jews to reach the Jews. Uh, I become like surfer dudes to read surfer dudes. I become like heavy metal dudes to reach heavy metal dudes. Uh, he's trying to say uh, this isn't about conforming to each other. It's as Lee is talking about uh, uh, having the boots on the ground, where you yeah. are you are showing up. Yep. You are at the apartment uh, block there and sorting people out and up in that thing. I think. For some reason, when people think of Christianity, they think it of conformity there. Yeah. I never understood that because it seemed like when I started reading about Jesus, it's like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had like these sandcastles of rules and religion that they were building up, and Jesus would come along and kick that over. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. just, just, no, we're not doing that. No, you can't have that. And, and them being mad and whatever, yep. but this idea of, of you, you can't, uh, uh, you know, Jesus not letting it be about conformity and rule following and whatever. But uh, Christians kind of get that confused. They think, you know, it's it should ultimately be about rule following, and and so I think that gets them in a people pleasing mindset. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the thing about people pleasing that you need to know is is a you you can't people please and then end up pleasing God by accident in yeah. that that just somehow never works. Yeah. Uh, B, uh, you never accidentally end up pleasing yourself <laughs> yeah. either. Yeah. So it's this long, slow decline of your own mental health and your own joy, but also a slow decline in your walk with the Lord, which is exactly what you're describing here. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're sad and the walk with the Lord isn't where it needs to be. So let's cut the people-pleasing element out of that yeah. and the conformity out of that. I think you maybe you saw something clearer and truer and were ready to to be that person and act on it, I think that, that you needed to go further that direction yeah. and instead of only going at it by half measure. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely right. And let, we're going to sum this up here. Let's say, 
we've, <laughs> there are two roads here that we're talking about. One is Glenn's kind of pointing out with the people pleasing. The other thing about the people pleasing, the C on that is the people are never fully pleased. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's right. You got to keep chasing that rabbit. So you can either be miserable and faking it. Yeah. Or you can try radical assumption, sit down, being yourself. Yeah. You could you could go back to that very same youth group, possibly, and just say, when you're in the car, say, oh, we're going to listen to my music because I don't really dig y'all's music. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe people will be cool with it. Maybe, yeah. maybe, just maybe, everybody else in church is faking it too. Right. Yep. Or at least they'll be cool with your thing, and then you'll at least be not faking it, and you'll probably be well on your way to not being miserable. And I think if you follow that, we're all summing up what we're all saying is you will find out that not only are you happier and more when you're more yourself, you are more effective in the things God has for you to do. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right. That's we're going to absolutely. All right. If you have questions for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, the bridge, Chicago.tumble.com or missionusa.com slash bridge box, missionusa.com slash BBLY. We're going to take you out this week with a song Lee wrote and then Jed remixed in an electronic version. We're talking about just a little different stuff. This is a little taste of the kind of stuff you may get in Bridgebox, by the way. This is a Lee's song called As I Am, electronic remix. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. Nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, we just want to dance our way into your hearts. That's true.